Hello and welcome back to Grim Encounters. We are a tabletop RPG actual play podcast based in the campy horror modern day world of Chicago. I'm usually your chill master, uh, but today we're going to be doing something a little different because of all the stuff going on in the world. We're going to be doing a like a history question time episode with me and Robert. So if you want to say hi, Robert. Hi, Robert. Nice. Um, so we're gonna, it's a little different, but we're gonna do a little like kind of like some lore. I'm gonna give uh, some basic save lore and then some basic Chicago lore. And uh, Robert's here to uh, to be you guys. He's gonna ask some questions. What do you think you about that? Wrong person. I think you picked the wrong person for questions, but we're, we'll see what we can do. Well, you know, I only had three choices, so <laughs> default down to me. I love it. <laughs> Okay, so we'll, we'll stump in, we'll jump in to just, like, the foundation of save as a whole to begin with. Um, so, like, save started um, back in 1844. Um, it started with this man named Dr. Charles O'Boylan and uh, a small, like, group of his, like, scholar and scientific friends. They, uh, they noticed some, like, weird things happening in the world, right? Like, they're... The reports of ghosts or whatever seemed to be actually real. Um, things that they couldn't explain with a modern I- ideology, right? Um, so they get together and they're like, uh, "We need, let's learn more about this. Because uh, uh, Charles' whole thing, um, he, wanted, he wanted to know more about the unknown, right? He wanted to figure out how they're working and why they're doing this. Um, yes, yes, he wanted to get rid of them, right? But he was more of like, it, from what I've understood reading the text, is he is a more of like an eccentric, uh, like scientist, right? Um, think of like classic, like movie trope scientist, like oh yes, I'm a rich, a rich uh, philanthropist, but my real passion is studying the native culture of this island, right? <laughs> and the uh, so it goes on and. Uh, he partners up with these uh, these two people specifically, because um, I, I want to describe his fate because uh, it's kind of important to this to just save history in general. Um, you know, because like the O'Boylan family is very important, obviously. Um, and in 1846, uh, these two people want because uh, O'Boylan was off doing these expeditions to like these crazy places trying to like learn more and they are very dangerous um but while he was doing that where is this? Uh, henry bolton richard arthur and frederick black um they formed a bunch of hqs um the one like they specifically they formed chicago in 1846 that's when it started um, and they left henry and richard left frederick in charge and uh, Frederick was at the ripe age of 25, oh, which boy. at the time was middle age. So, eh, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, so uh, to wrap up the O'Boylan thing, uh, he goes on a bunch of expeditions to d- different places, um, and his last one was in Memphis, Egypt. Um, he like he partners with uh, this 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 uh, Cambridge scholar. Or in professor that is like specialized in Egypt, like Egyptian culture, and they find this uh, mummy's tomb, right? And on the front of when they go in, 
like the door, the big giant stone door, it, uh, written in it in hieroglyphic, excuse me, hieroglyphic, hieroglyphics. In that word, um, <laughs> it is. Uh, <laughs> it basically tells them to not go in. Like there's bad things in here. Um, so basically, like every mummy movie. Exactly like every there. mummy movie. Yeah, you're kind of. That's kind of the vibe of the chill world. Is like it is every campy horror thing ever. Um, as well as every like gothic horror movie, every like slasher horror movie, it's like all these movie tropes just kind of like fucking smashed in one. to one corpse, right? <laughs> and then uh, it's reanimated, and it's like, "Hello, it's me." Um. <laughs> so yeah, they go in there, and obviously, I mean, you can just guess what happens, right? Um, they go in there, and they find some goddamn mummies. And uh, those mummies aren't just, like, chilling. They're, like, alive. Um, and they, like, beat the shit out of these people. Like, there's, like, ten people that go in. And uh, only one person survives. Um, his, I believe his name was, like, Bert something. It's unimportant what his name was. But is he, he's, like, I think he was, like, an intern or, like, something to the, to the professor. Um, well, basically... Uh, they're running, and the, the mummies are moving faster than they are, somehow. Uh, which we okay, would... So we not would, like every movie. Yeah, so we would know, like, they are they probably have, like, that supernatural speed aspect that a lot of the monsters have that you guys have fought. Um, which was the first time they came across it. Hey, um, I know we're, like, a little bit into this, but I did want to preface that uh, I don't know what's going to be said throughout this episode either. Oh yeah, yeah. At least the history and the lore and stuff. So I'm learning this as you guys are. So this is why I'm here to ask the questions. Yeah. So yeah, Robert's here to kind of to be you guys. Like I said, like he's here to ask questions. Uh, I wanted him to react to some of the crazy shit I'm gonna say. Um, I basically just didn't want me talking to a computer screen um, because I'll get too crazy, and I don't really want you guys to experience that. So uh, I, I wanted to have the. Uh, <laughs> It's just like a four-hour recording of me basically at the end babbling, uh, just throwing rocks at my computer. Um, That's going to be another case that we're going to have to go into. <laughs> just me. Uh, but yeah, so they, that's why you're here, is to, to kind of whip it into shape, you know what I mean? Robert didn't see it, but I, I did the whip. Um, I, can, I feel your disappointment, and I am accepting it. Okay, I'm, g- I'm glad you can at least see it, so that's, that's good. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, the last thing um, the young man describes as he's running away is just hearing and um, hearing Dr. Charles of Boylan being torn limb for limb by those by the mummies, um, and just like the deafening death cries of him as he runs away. Um, and then they sealed up the tomb, so like they never went back. They don't. They never had his body, right? And okay. I don't know if you remember this, and I, I doubt it. So, like, when you guys were, um, and I'm just going to say this because I, 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 I feel like Shane might remember. I don't know. That book that he had, that he found in the uh, the Hotel Reroom. You remember? Yeah. yeah. The author was Charles O'Boylan. You know, I thought the name sounded familiar. Because mm-hmm. I was like, wait a second. I, I know I heard that name. I just couldn't place where it was at. Okay, so it was his book, or yeah, it was his journal. Yeah, the only journal. thing okay. that was left of a Boylan after this botched expedition 
because um, they didn't even really learn anything. Like, they lost everything. Because um, everything was with those people that got murdered, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing they managed to keep um, is, like, a handful of survivors and um, his journal. Which, which, which supposedly, like, burnt up in that, like, giant massacre that happened in Dublin. Um, so... Yeah, I wanted to kind of connect that dot. I don't know if anyone else has put that together, but... Probably not, since <laughs> I, I didn't read anything. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, if any, like, the... Because um, I've mentioned his name before on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's why... Like I said, it's like, it sounds familiar. This stuff sounds familiar. I just don't know what. Why? <laughs> so, okay. So, that was 1846, um, when kind of all that shit happened um richard and henry wanted to push on with safe so they kept it going eventually uh charles son does does join save and continue his legacy um but that family is just wrought with tragedy um it, they called it the oboilin curse that like the that every oboilin's gonna get murdered basically is what it sums up to Oh, that's not a, that's not fun. Like almost that, like they are cursed by the unknown, right? Um, but en- enough about that guy. We're gonna dive into the, specifically Chicago. Um, now, the thing I told you about Henry and Richard forming Chicago is one of the two things that the book mentions about Chicago. Um, the second thing is it disappearing. Um, so I even added that the the third person onto the Chicago because I wanted. I wanted a theme. So in 1858, um, the son of Frederick Black takes over the HQ at the age of 19. Wow, that's, um, that's an early age to take over. I mean, yeah, uh, but I mean, he was he was a middle aged man at the time, so like. Oh well, I guess that's right. It's a yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So like, he, I mean, he's still young. Like even looking back, that's still fucking young. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Crazy I mean, that they did shit like that you're a man at that point but like just thinking about it thinking about a 19 year old being in charge of like so many so much stuff that's so important like that oh yeah um and and it's important to note that he was elected um so like the chicago directors there was no term limit um they could be removed whenever with like a, a a council vote like they had like his his like advisors that he called them um Got, were like kind of represented all the people because Chicago HQ was so big um you know like I mean in, in 2014 it was like over 250 people right so like it's kind of always been massive um just because right. Chicago is so big and um so they, they always elected their officials so they elected his son in 1858 to uh, continue the success because um, this whole time like this very successful start of an HQ they immediately started taking out cases they started cleaning the city up um, just the HQ the Chicago in general has always kind of been just just wrought with like um, like I don't want to say like crime necessarily but there's always been kind of like um, a boiling pot of just like people fighting right um, mm-hmm. just in history you can look at it um, so like I'm kind of I've, I've kind of put it like our podcast 
like we're cleaning the city and like a lot of the crime statistics of Chicago, right? Like the murder rate in Chicago is high. Because it's, of the unknown. It's, yeah, it's not actually crime. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, of course, a good chunk of that is because that's just how big cities work. All right. Um, like you, it's just because the more, it's just how it is. It's just how humans have worked forever. Um, but yeah, so like, so I kind of, it's kind of always been the cover for the HQ because again, like this society is secret. Um, because they did try and be public around this time, like in the 1840s, but people were very cold to them. Like they, they thought they were crazy, right? Well, I mean, it makes sense. You start spatting out about, hey, there's monsters over here. There's, oh yeah, ghosts and such. Yeah, n- nobody's gonna think you're sane. I'm not gonna believe you. <laughs> no. Why? Why would you? Um. So, so nothing really happens for a while. Like, uh, the Chicago HQ just kind of chugs along. Um, throughout save like save is growing and expanding at this time um, just as a whole so like they're just kind of going um, around 1865 uh, was when the uh, first woman to join the Chicago HQ happened um, now this the save as a whole the first woman to join was I believe in 1857 I believe her name was like she has a cool name hold on let me um, her name was her name was Lady Virginia Chester um, in 1857. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she kind of like paved the way for all women to join SAVE. Um, and Chicago just took a little bit. Like, I don't think there was really a reason for it. I just don't think many women were joining. But finally, in the Black family, uh, they had a daughter. Um, Vanessa Black. And she, she took up the mantle and she wanted to join SAVE. Like her father and brothers and uncles and all that stuff, right? Um... And uh, she went on to do great things. Like, I mean, she she worked on cases just like everyone else did. Um, she had a very good knack for the art. Um, so she was really good at persuading people. Uh, just because uh, the blacks as a whole, like the family, um, they kind of give this aura of trustworthiness and kindness that people just automatically uh, kind of uh, lean to, right? Um, they give like this familiarity, um, and because they're just, they're generally good people. So, uh, what what art specifically did she she actually do? A communicative, just a communicative. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, she always just thought it was her feminine woes, and then she joined Save and realized, oh, there's more to it. Yeah. Um, and her because her father Dewitt was like, I we should look into this. Um, and he was supportive of her all the way. So, I mean, very progressive family, very progressive HQ. I mean, Chicago's kind of always been known to be kind of try taking the step forward, right? Um, right. So, yeah, then and then again, uh, kind of goes on like as goes on as, as planned. Like, things are getting taken care of, of saves growing and growing. Um, in uh, 1923, right during the Roaring Twenties, um, Chicago elects their first woman director. Um, her, and her name, her name was Elsie Black. Um, she was, uh, I guess she would probably be like, the family tree is humongous. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is spanning generations, right? Um, You're right. But yeah, she, uh, she never, she never, uh, she never married, so she just stayed Elsie, um, Elsie Black. But yeah, she took over Save, um, and the past, the previous Blacks, they all, um, 
they all retired. So like they got, they went, they did for like ten years, and then they they stepped down. Um, and Elsie did the same. She uh, she did her full term, uh, term in quotation marks, right? Like she she served the time that she thought was appropriate, and she mm-hmm. stepped down. But she wanted to prove herself to her colleagues, um, show her that uh, like she wanted to continue this this change. She had like an iron will. Um, she had like an she had an iron will and an iron fist, where like we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep recruiting good people, no matter what what they are. Um, so, uh, two two notable things she did: she hired the first African American uh, into the Chicago HQ, um, and his name was uh, Louis Miles. Um, he was a notable jazz singer that was attacked by uh, a vampire, similar to uh, the one you guys fought in the first case. You mean they fought in the first case? Yeah, sorry. It's okay. It's, it's it's the time before Wesley. So. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I always forget that. TBW time before Wesley. Yeah, that's six episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, and then leading leading through that, um, with the help of Luis, uh, she uncovered a vampire coven that was forming. Um. And she just wiped out the whole thing except for one vampire. What, what, what kind of vampires were they? Do you know? Uh, all the kinds. The there's the uh, North American. There's the East Asian. There's the West African. Um, there's like the classic vampire, which is called the Cathardian, I believe. It's like a playoff. Like I think it's a playoff. Like Catholic. Right. Um. It's like traditional. Like can't go in the sun. We suck blood. Oh, so you're like your Dracula vampire. Yeah, right? Dracula yeah. vampire. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but so she they wiped them all except one. Right. Uh, and in her notes, she she writes um, that it was a young like a younger vampire. It was one of the newer ones they had. Uh, like they they like created. Um, and she described her as like a beautiful woman with like slender piano fingers and like a flowing like tight dress. Um. And, and like she like cornered her in this room um, and was about to like kill her mm-hmm. um, but she was blindsided by a different vampire that like sacrificed himself for her for, for that said vampire um, allowing her to get away so um, and Elsie like retired like her whole career um, she she spent like in the background trying to find this vampire and she never did. Hmm. Okay. So, um, um, all right. So, after Elsie, her son took over for a slight time period. Um, he was an officer about two years before he was just fucking brutally murdered. Oh. Um, he was just destroyed by uh, an unknown creature so in the 1800s there was about there was about seven HQ leaders right mm-hmm. and they were all blacks they were all members of the black family um, and they were either retired or brutally murdered by the unknown and it kind of set this staple for the family that like if you're running save um, like if you're a member of Save, there's two ways you're gonna go. You're either gonna go at a retirement party or in a coffin. Um, 
some really rough choices to be yeah honest. i mean you're gonna have a successful career like you're gonna have successes no matter what because uh, it just seemed like this family had the luck right they had the knack to just just destroy the unknown but in like the same side of that coin um there's like a 50 percent chance it seems that like um oh you're they're gonna die and they're not just gonna die they're just they're gonna be like ravagely destroyed so um in between um these and so after elsie her son took over and within like a year or two he was he was killed um he was killed by a, a group of vampire a group of werewolves excuse me um that were kind of trying that were uh harassing one of the out, outskirts of town um now remember, this is all. This would have all been. The HQ would have all been um, localized in Justice. Okay. Because like the HQ you guys are using is like the old HQ. Like the original HQ, uh-huh. and then it's just been revamped, right? Yeah. You said it was. It's uh... been, well, they revamped it up until they moved, right? So like. Right. Right. Okay. okay. They moved in the seventies, uh, to the one in, the one in the middle of Chicago. Right. So yeah, so this is all in this history is all built into the HQ you guys are currently using. Oh, that's cool. So like where you where you sat is where, you know, all like hundreds of thousands of people have sat, um, with the same mentality you had, right? Like let's let's save some people. Um. So yeah, so after her son passed, um. She kind of she kind of stepped back in for a little bit. Um, because they were trying to figure out who to who do who to uh, add up, and thankfully one of her other daughters stepped up. Uh, her name was Betty Black. Uh, she uh, she stepped up during about 1939. So now we're in like the World War II era, right? Uh, yep, yep. World War II was interesting for Safe, only in the fact that most of the men and boys were off fighting the war. So Chicago was like 98% run by women. Um, and run it, they did. They did a great job. Uh, it just, you know, as as you'd think, right? Um, business as usual, they uh, destroyed monsters. Um, they actually, the big notable thing that Betty handled during this time uh, is she she helped clear out an infestation of Ganabe. Oh, boy. Yeah, and it was actually led by um, a Ganabe they they didn't catch by the name of Scarlet Eye. So like, <clears throat> it was similar to the uh, the vampire thing, where the one that got away was um, was hunted and they never found it. So uh, that was a big notable thing during World War Two is because they were. You know, just like in America, most most women were running the factories and everything. Right, right. Um, let's see. Uh, we have a couple more people. Uh, let's see. Dave Black, Richard's father, takes over in 1955. Um, the most notable thing about him is that he served. Uh, he served for about 20 years, and a day before he retired, he was split in two. Oh jeez. Yeah. Um and then uh Richard's brother 
took over uh, Mark in 1975. And Mark was, after his father being murdered in that HQ, um, they decided that they should they should find a bigger place. Some place where they can, in the, maybe in the middle of Chicago, uh, it would cut down on costs of driving and stuff. So they moved locations in 19, I think 1976 to that, to uh, the office building you guys saw in the flashback case. Okay. okay. So then he started up the movie. Gotcha. Yeah, so that's why the HQ is like all 70s style. <laughs> um, Alright, so now we're getting a little closer to the modern timeline where we're at now. Uh, uh, let's see. Richard Black would uh, join Save around 1982 as just a basic uh, envoy. Um, his mother currently was running it in 19 around that time. His mother, Brooke Black. Um, she, she, he, what's what I'm trying to look for? He looked up to her immensely. Um, she was an older woman, obviously, but uh, she ran. Everyone absolutely adored her. No, Mark would be his uncle. Sorry, Mark's not his brother. Mark is his uncle. But Brooke, Brooke can still be his mom. She'd just be old as shit. There you go. It's fine. Yeah, so uh, she was known as, like, the... Pre- previous to being director, she was known as, like, uh, Chicago's, like, uh, the Chicago Saves grandma. Like, she'd bring cookies for everyone, and, like, um, ever she would, like, pinch people's cheeks and stuff. So, like, nice. when she took over... Um, it was very smooth, and uh, she basically was just holding the position, um, showing Richard everything his father couldn't. Because in 1990, Richard Black was elected as director of Chicago HQ. Um, so yeah, like I said, the Chicago, they elect their directors via a vote system. Mm-hmm. It's just like almost superstitiously, they always vote a black in. Um, uh, always vote a member of the black family in it seems like and it seems because it seems like when they're running the HQ um, like positive things always happen uh, everything runs smoothly they know what they're doing they got an idea yeah and it's like they're they just so full of this luck right and mm-hmm. um, they have this natural pull to them because there's always people running like always people in the running but it always ends up leaning on rich on on, on, a, on a member of the black family. So he takes over in 1990, um, and he he is currently like he, well he's not now because they kind of changed up how the HQ was run. But if he he would be the longest running director at almost 30 years. So so 1990, uh, this is about four years after the Dublin incident, which was where. A massive group of organized unknown attacked the Dublin, Ireland HQ, which was the um, global like hub. It's where the O'Boylan family was based, and it was a giant. Sorry. Uh, I was just gonna say. So is, is Dublin like their mass like communication between everybody and everything? Well, it was. So they're the unknown 
knew to take out communication first. Okay, that's interesting to know. They, uh, they, well, it wasn't only the communication, they also had the biggest archive of save files, save envoy records, um, save, like, um, occult books. Oh, jeez. And it was all paper. Take all information. Okay. Yes, it was organized. They don't know why. Um, but basically what happened is it happened all of a sudden, and monsters were were attacking outside. They were teleported inside of it. Um, so it was just a massacre. Like, hundreds of people were murdered. And it caused this shockwave in save that basically caused an information blackout. So for, like, the whole 90s, basically, save was running without communication from any other HQs. Oh, that's rough. So, like, Chicago talked to, like, you know, could talk to, like, the immediate area HQs, right? So, like, right. Chicago and Milwaukee are very... Chicago and Milwaukee um, and uh, Madison are all very connected. Like, Madison and Milwaukee are sister HQs of Chicago. They report to Chicago. So, like... That's why Chicago's was fine, was because they already had a support structure that they made themselves. But a lot of HQs all over the world were were wiped out because they didn't have information. Um, because so, and there's a lot of theories to how that was. They have lots of descriptions of things. Like one of the uh, firsthand accounts of a survivor was describing a man in a suit. Uh, kind of just like standing in fire laughing. Hmm. Really? Yes. Um, with like the fire just like around him, not hurting him. Um, and the, the only note they had that they could remember about this man, because they were deeply disturbed, um, was uh, describing how his mouth looked and how wide it was. Um, Sounds kind of familiar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's also reports of um, an organization, because there's other save um, organized society, secret societies, not save, but other societies that work to stop the unknown or help the unknown. Um, and one of the theories is that the way they got inside of the HQ was that one of the envoys that worked for that HQ was like a double agent. So like- That makes sense. I mean, the, the, how else would they get in really? Yeah. Um, so I, I believe the society there's like one they, there's only one they have in the book um, and it's the one I'm referencing um, it is called uh, The Hidden Eye and we've we've also talked about that one a little bit during the show when did we talk about that one? I, I, so, I feel like I've heard of it but I don't remember uh, do you remember when you were talking to Kid Harrington and he was like he was uh, confronting you guys on the magic Right, okay. Yeah, see, that's what um, was kind of making me think of when you were talking about this, because I was like, wait a minute, we talked about him, or we talked to a kid, and he was like, what are you guys with, you know? Yeah. That kind of thing, questioning um, us. So he, he he actually said it wrong on purpose. Uh-huh. Um, he said, are you with the silver, the silver way, or are you with the one of many eyes? Uh. Because he knows if he says the name of that secret society wrong, it will trigger an emotional reaction yeah, in that person. Yeah, no, he he's more important than I even think I realized when I made him. <laughs> <laughs> and we've definitely not seen the last of him. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. I feel like you guys liked him either. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I'm not saying I hope I see him again. He was he was a very interesting fellow. Uh, um. So yeah, it's called the Hidden Eye, and it's still active in the world. It's just uh, they're basically their ideology. Um, if I'm not if not wrong, is basically that they believe that the unknown are like an evolutionary upgrade. So, like, okay. succumbing okay. to them is, like, the way we need to go as humanity. Okay. All right. I get that. I get that. I don't agree with it, but I get it. They also believe that, like, the magic is, um, that they, uh, they view that the unknown is not as two forces battling, but as a single neutral energy source that a skilled practitioner can tap into. So, like, they believe that the power comes from the unknown. The unknown isn't a species, right? It isn't, isn't like a group of monsters. Um, and if you happen to be a good person, you get, you know, good uh, good abilities or whatever. Um, they're, as a whole, rec- uh, as a whole, regarded by saved to be fucking batshit, and cra- batshit insane. Um, because they do radical things. Like, they're basically terrorists. I mean, it sounds like it. Yeah. Because I, you know... But it's kind of like that thing where it's they're also like the worst kind of terrorist terrorists where they ult- they believe what they're doing a hundred million percent and they don't even think that they're doing anything wrong right so like it's not I like listen to reason or yeah. anything like that either like they're like culty like that's basically yeah. like a cult that's what it sounds like and I've played with kind of tossing them in there but um I don't know if you guys are ready to have to murder real people so Ooh, no, not yet. <sighs> yeah, because I, I kind of want them to be important too, right? I don't want them to just be like a one-off thing. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, if they've been around for a while doing this kind of stuff, we've already had—I mean, not any encounters with them, but just the with the whole kit thing. A yeah. Little, like, hmm, okay. So there's others out there. I, I know. I remember thinking that honestly when when uh, we were talking to him, I was like. What else is out there then? Oh, yeah. If he's trying to be so secretive about, instead of just saying, "Hey, you guys would save," it's like, "Hey, code word or you know, code phrase." What are, what are we talking about? And it, it kind of reminds me a lot of. Uh, I probably like, subconsciously did this. Do you? You've read? Have you read the Walking Dead comics? Uh, quite a few of them. Not all. Didn't ever finish it yet. Okay. Did you get through like the the first Negan stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So when when he's talking um they they the whole time i'm just for listeners i don't know if they've read the books uh, or if seen the show but basically the saviors which is negan's like group of people they don't have any guns like they don't use guns against people so like well like no so when they when they encounter them they all have like chainsaws and stuff so rick is under the um idea that they don't have weapons like pistols and shit um, so at some point, Negan, like, basically comes up on them with guns. And they're like, they're like, uh, wait, we didn't even know he had guns. And Negan just, like, turns them and he goes, guns aren't for the walkers. Guns are for the thankers. Um, which he's describing like humans. So, like, um, that's kind of how I pictured Kip when he deals with people, right? Like, he's not going to take much caution with the monsters, right? Because he knows how they work. Mm-hmm. But the real scary thing is a human who he can't predict the motives of. So he kind Very of approached that situation. Yeah, approached that situation like, well, these fucking guys could be insane. <laughs> <laughs> and 
It makes sense. That makes a lot more sense now, knowing that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then the uh, Richard's career is full of success, man. Just the one of the best. Um, he he was you know very progressive with who he hired. He made sure to accept anybody who he thought was fit. Uh, he destroyed many nests of monsters. He killed a bunch of stuff. Um, he, uh, I mean, one of his notable failures was when the Jackson Jammer thing, we, we, we talked about that, how he, oh, yeah. how he, he got Jammer, right? Mm-hmm. But his, like, that, the, uh, I think his name was, like, Leonard or something, <laughs> that guy got away, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, besides that, he really didn't have any negative things happen. Um, Chicago, like, was like growing every day it was at like its peak in 2014 um um cause like around that time they were Chicago was getting cleaned up like the most it's ever had been uh, and then in 2014 is when the disaster struck right mm-hmm. um, we all know it well or do we I mean you're getting bits and pieces this is true you guys really just have to talk to him, and I think you guys forget sometimes. We get preoccupied mm-hmm. with cases that are going on, and you know, other uh, uh, not missions. What's the word I'm looking for? Cases? I don't. Know. No, no, because I mean, we look into <laughs> cases, but then we have our own like personal things that we're like looking to do that we forget to talk to some of the other uh, people around here just to get an idea of like what's what the HQ or what that person is like and that yeah. kind of stuff, you know? Which we don't dwell I, too much into that. I think that's very realistic too, right? Yeah. I mean, I, that's like anybody. Like, I don't think I go to my boss and ask him his backstory. But, <laughs> well, but, yeah, and, you know. And, and, and even though maybe learning this thing could help you in the current case, right? Mm-hmm. How would... That's very, it's also a very horror trope, right? If it's like if I just knew this one thing, it would have saved this guy's life. Um, which I think you guys do very well of, of playing the tropes you guys have created, right? Um, and I, I think that's what I think the best part of our podcast is, is that everyone has like this. They've taken this character role, this character horror trope, right, and just like slapped on their it. own coat of paint and made it their own. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, like, you know, like, Christiana's is, like, the, like, the badass woman, right? That just, like, kicks everyone's ass. Um, Very true. And but then she slapped on, the, like, that weird monotone, like, awkwardness, right? Kind of, kind of a loner, too. I mean, could be considered kind of a loner, too, I would think. Yeah. You know, that loner, badass, like, I won't take shit from nobody, and I'm going to throw all that shit at you. Yeah. And then, like, you know, you go to go to Shane's character, Father Frank, and he's a classic, like, Catholic father. I mean, how much goddamn, like, that's like a, you know, in The Exorcist, that's like a main character, right? I think that's in, like, honestly, every uh, show, video game. Actually, I have a board game. One of the, the characters you can play, it's a zombie board game. One of the, the characters you can play in it is a father. And yeah. it's like, well, yeah, you see him everywhere. And they all do kind of the same thing, you know? And then he's and left. He, Go ahead. Sorry, I thought you were done. I was going to say, he, he chalks that up very, very well. Oh, yeah. And then I think he also brings uniqueness to it, to being, like, how how kind he is. 
Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely, no matter who you are, he'll uh, sit down and make sure you're okay. Um, I'm not saying Catholic fathers aren't like that, but I just think he, he like, hams that up to a 10, right? Yes, yes, I, as it needs to be, and it's great. I love it. And, uh... Plus, just how, like, he'll just be, like, you know, like how you have, like, the funny man and the straight man, right? He plays that role so well where, like, something ridiculous is happening that, like, you did or something, and he is just straight-faced, like, reacting. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we got you. You know, you're, like, that classic strong guy, right? Classic strong naive guy um, uh, that, like... I, I, I... Go ahead. After, think, after you talking about us and thinking about, yeah, we all take like instead of just being one character with one trope and one thing, we've actually combined quite a few of them. That's yeah, cool. I, n- I never break it down or think about it that way. And I, I honestly haven't seen where, um, in a horror movie, where the strong guy badass right that can do kung fu is the heart of the team, right? Oh, you think I'm the heart? Yeah, man. Like you definitely. Um, like just show so much more compassion um, and you just bring the team together I think I think that that's great that's what I love about Wesley so much um, fair enough yeah, I'll say that yeah, yeah fair enough mm-hmm. and I know Ransom's not around anymore but he was like the mad scientist trope right um, oh, yeah. but he was also like the tragic clown you know 100% it was it was fantastic and then with his backstory stuff it was that was a fun time oh yeah straight up just a straight up fun time and fun to listen go back and listen to again well i mean (laughs) besides that one episode besides that one episode it was it was was like 90 percent common in any way but i'm still pissed about it (laughs) i was upset because like oh man there's no way we can redo that again not with the same no at all the same yeah and and it was all math too (laughs) like (laughs) <laughs> uh, but yeah, so in 2014 hits, um, the like HQ goes dark. Oh, 200 plus casualties. Um, as we know, it, it appears from you guys known is that the Deceiver combined forces of a number of different enemy groups. Um, you know, like the Ganabe, the vampires, um, the digital entity, um, and some others you haven't met um, formed... He, like, kind of, like, grabbed them all, kind of like Thanos' cable, right? And uh, was like, hey, here you go. And uh, and you guys don't know exactly what happened, but you know, like, the, the outskirts of that. Like, you've just kind of pieced that together over the past 60-odd episodes. And uh, so, um, so that the following 2014 to 2018 was horrible for the HQ. Um, paranoia, um, desert, desertion, everything was just commonplace. People were so, they were so afraid that they were going to die, um, that they would just hide for weeks. Like, they didn't know what to do, Robert. Um, they didn't know who they could trust. Like, they were convinced that Save was, that the Dublin happened again, where, like, Save was infiltrated, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why Richard specifically is so paranoid. Is he is he is still not convinced that save isn't compromised? I mean, that makes sense after something devastating has happened. Are you yeah. kidding me? 
I wouldn't trust anybody either. Heck, I wouldn't even trust the people that are there now. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't um, even trust myself. <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy. Um, But then in 2018, like a month before you guys joined, tragedy hit again. Uh, team Trauma, which was like their fucking A-team, man. Like, it was like a squad of elite American soldiers from different branches of the military, all top of their, like, classes, all top of their their uh, military encounters um, were, were gone. They were wiped. Um, AFK. Um, Do we know how they got wiped out? No. No? We they just were, know they're gone. They were on a case. They were, because they were specifically hunting um, the vampires. Okay. Because okay. the vampires used their team to use their team as like bait to kill the arcane oracles remember how like okay. he tricked yep, well they yep. didn't kill him but they tricked the arcane oracles into you know fighting them right they right. said oh trauma they oh we're in this place being attacked when really trauma was on the other side of the city fighting nothing like um so like yeah they they died presumably fight, hunting those guys and they never found it they they never found any bodies so they don't know what happened to them um, I know Charles mentioned at the time mentioned desertion but they just don't believe that could have happened no, no I wouldn't either not if it no <laughs> um, mm. Mm. this is this is leading me to all the all other kinds of thoughts right now hold on Okay. okay. Continue. Continue. My bad. No, 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 please. Um, I wanted you here so it wasn't just me babbling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Keep going. Uh, okay, so that uh, oh. in 2018, you guys joined, and then we're kind of at where we are, right? Right. You guys are at this phase where you're bringing Save back up to its, the Chicago HQ back up to its full capacity. Um, you have three teams operating, as well as um, a support team at the base. Um, that, that can act as like information sources um, uh, I think uh, the biggest step you guys made recently was adding the uh, adding Todd having the communication specialist opens you guys up for things obviously right um, but it also increases a lot of safety issues well yeah Todd at the wheel that's kind of kind of scary <laughs> why <laughs> I know you mean like actually communicating to other people and other things that kind of yeah leads I mean to stuff, so. yeah and like Richard mentioned there is the excuse me there the save radio wasn't damaged in the attack so if you guys wanted to connect Chicago to the main vein of, of America you could so that's kind of where we're at with the history of Chicago um sorry I thought my child jumped down the stairs <laughs> that's a that's a scary thought <laughs> but yeah um so that that's that nice okay do you have any questions you want me to expand on anything uh well honestly i was kind of jotting down notes of stuff and i think you explained a lot of it pretty well i didn't have any questions i, I was trying to ask them as we were going so i wouldn't forget yeah but no i don't i don't think i really have any questions i'm just kind of excited to jump back in and maybe delve more into it get more I don't know just more explanation through story through the story trying to figure out what's going on or what has happened but. yeah I mean 
all of the main six people that you guys have interacted with, uh, they all have bits and pieces of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess two of them weren't there, right? Like, Charles and Naomi weren't there during the attack. Um, oh, yeah, true, true. But so those four, I mean, that's still, like, um, like, Grim could know a lot. Richard could. I mean, Dax was there in the middle of it, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, I, I can't wait to jump back in because I got some questions for Grim, uh, potentially. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, from this as well as uh, from, honestly, my backstory. Uh, the other day I was I was pr- practicing voices because I haven't done them in a while. Um, and I, I couldn't do I couldn't do Charles' voice. And I was like, I was almost in tears. <laughs> uh, so I was like, wait, what did I what did I fucking base Charles off of? And I I was like, oh, I fucking know it. So I played that clip from um, the boys. I don't know if you've watched it yet. Uh-uh, not yet. There's a clip of of the boys uh, where um, Butcher Billy Butcher is like the main character of the story, basically. Well, one of them. Um, he's like the leader of the group, and he's he's a British badass, basically. And uh, his voice, I like played the scene that always helps me get to Charles' voice is when he's talking about the goddamn Spice Girls for some reason. And uh, so I like I listened to it. And I was like, "Oh, it's the goddamn Spice Girls!" And like I really it helped me get into it. So I know if like, when we play again, I have to like uh, listen to a bunch of videos of people's voices because mm-hmm. like uh, like that Dax is really easy to slip into. Um, but like Charles's and I gotta, I gotta get my Russian down a little bit better because I haven't done horses. I, I like when you, when you had to get into Draz's voice. Oh, hello there. It is me. Jose Draz Rodriguez. What's a pretty little thing like you doing here? I feel bad since I, I did not chalk that up like at all. Cause I like totally blanked out on how you went and I was like, I should have just had you just speak like him for a minute and then try to mimic that, but I don't think I would be able to do it justice. <laughs> I, I, doing voices has been the one thing I've been okay at my whole life, so. And see, I'm not good at it at all. And I know, like, they're silly, and I bet some people, like, get turned off of our show because of it, but I, I don't know. I, I have, it's, I, when I play role-playing games, I have to do voices. Like, it's the one time in life where you, you can do a voice and someone doesn't look at you like you're fucking insane. This is true. This is true. I mean, that's all. That's all part of the role playing. I kind of wish I would have done a voice at the beginning, but like, I'm glad I didn't because I would not. I would slip out of it all the time. I already know it. It's Although, a commitment. If, if if we ever do like, if something ever happens to Wesley, or we decide to like switch to something else or do something else, I think I'm gonna attempt it a little bit better. Yeah, the uh, the best voice to start on is one that like doesn't require you to like do an accent. So like one with oh, yeah. like a vocal tick. Like, you know, like, like Dax's, for example, like, I'm not really changing my voice that much. I'm just closing off my nose. So, like, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, I get you. I get you. Uh, Richard's voice. Richard's is the easiest for me to do. Hello, it's me, Richard. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you actually cut out for me, so I didn't know if you were saying anything. I didn't. I just paused. Okay, I was just like, wait, well, because you've been like, at least on my end, kind of spottily cutting out here or there at the end of like a sentence. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, so, uh, Discord, gotta love it. 
uh, you don't have any questions about like any of the NPCs, um, um no. or this like time I think the uh, city or the the enemies we're facing. I mean, you know, or whatever. Okay, so no, I don't have any questions right now on the, at least the stuff that you've given me. But maybe, maybe we can do something where I'll, I'll come up with some some stuff I want to know a little bit more about, and then we can expand upon that, with like another episode or something. Okay, yeah, we can do that because who knows how long we're gonna be trapped exactly. in here. Exactly. Who I knows? mean, I mean, I, I know I'm not I'm not personally trapped. I mean, I'm an essential worker. Uh, so I'm not trapped in here, but I know a lot of people are. You know, I'm, I'm on the same page. I'm I'm not yeah. trapped in here, so I still got to work. But uh, I, I felt like you would be since you work, you know, for the for that one place, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm exactly. A, yeah. Like I'm, I'm gonna leave this in, and it's weird. Honestly, it's weird how many people have come to me and thanked me because most of the time this job is people just talking down to you. Yeah, um, yep. which is just retail. I mean, it's it's how it is in America. I don't know how it is in other countries, but um, most of the time, a lot of people are just are kind of shitty. Um, oh yeah, you know 100%. you get you get the great customers. Like I got regulars that I adore. I got one. We call each other Scooby for some reason. <laughs> don't know. He, I'll be like, "What's up, Scooby?" And he'll go, "Like, what's up, using money?" And I don't know like why, why it started. Uh, oh, oh, I remember he wore a Scooby Doo shirt one time. And I said, what are you, goddamn Scooby? And he said, yes. So okay, we just, he's, he's kind of a, kind of an eccentric guy. He's nice. Um, That's funny. When I worked in retail for the, the god-awful long time I did, yeah. uh, there was I had a few regulars. Honestly, I didn't even know their names, but I'd know them oh, every yeah. day. And like he'd always come in and be like, hey, what up, Rob? And I'm like, that's Robert. But, you know, hey, whatever. It's nice that you're being nice. Yeah. You know, call me anything. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, but no. But genu- genuinely, like, it's nice to have people be like, "Oh, thank you so much." Oh yeah, you know. I mean, I I appreciate what you, what all retail workers, I, well, and actually anybody and everybody who has to work right now yeah. because they are considered essential. I, I appreciate everything that they do, and I know the struggles. It's not fun. Yeah, and also like all the teachers and professors that are still teaching, like. Mm-hmm. I know, even though it's difficult through the internet, but I it's, uh, trying trying to make the best of what with what we got and and all that. So God. try not to cry. Seriously, <laughs> uh, it's, it's rough times now and and all that, and it's appreciated. So I appreciate. <laughs> oh, but uh, enough uh, enough of the mushy to gushy. <laughs> Yeah, if you guys have any questions, um, throw it on our Discord. Um, just in the campfire chat's fine. Just like, just make sure you tag me or Rob, me and Robert in it, or you know, or if you want to send it on Twitter, you want to DM it. Um, I'll probably when I post this episode, if you just want to tag it underneath. Um, I know we have we have a, we have a bunch of listeners that um, that listen that that we don't interact with too much, um, and we'd love to do that. Honestly, it, you know, anyway, whatever's easy. If there's like a special way that you like, you could always email us. I don't know if we, we've ever offered that, but I mean, we have an email. You're welcome to email it. It's just officialgrimencounters at gmail.com. I mean, how official spelled and then our, our podcast name. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I know I'll share it with all the group and we'll talk about it and we'll, you know, 
be nice to hear from some of you guys. Yeah, definitely send us out questions if you have, uh, you know, like I want to know more about certain stuff. Like, like I said, I might come up with some questions, but love to hear you guys come up with some questions about, I don't know, different uh, creatures of the unknown, like we stated before, or like certain characters. If you guys want to know more, if somebody in- piques your interest, like let us yeah. know. Let us know where what you want to know. I mean, and it's all discretion to me. Like, I'm not going to give you some goddamn spoilers. So, Like, hey, how is this going to end? Hey, hey, what is that? What is that? What did that TV thing mean that happened last episode? That <laughs> where we saw the future. What's that about? Would it be like? Yeah. Don't ask those questions. Let's let's ask questions about like historical things yeah. with save or what we know of certain monsters we've either faced or actually ask if there's even other monsters i mean yeah. there's a whole book of them in there I'm, yeah I'm, there's like three i'm willing to do a a deep dive there's four i'm willing to do a deep dive on if you guys want a deep dive episode on the vampires i'll do it if you want a deep dive episode on the werewolves um like i mean those episodes might not be super long but i will gladly do the research and i will well, we can fucking talk about it i mean some really? of these creatures are cool like some a lot of them are taken from like cryptic stories of, in America and England and Europe and Asia, like all these places. I mean, there's a goddamn monster called the Boogeyman, and it's seriously based <laughs> on the, the Boogeyman. Boogeyman. Yeah, um, he steals children, so it doesn't feel very good. Okay, maybe I don't want to you know. <laughs> and there's also monsters that will, I will never put on the podcast because like they're kind of too dark. Um, I know there's one Ooh. that. Because like I mean, when we started this podcast, I asked everyone like, "What are the things you I don't that I can't that would make you uncomfortable if I touch?" Right? Um, and I, and most of the consensus was like, you know, like we wouldn't do sexual like that stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or like I think Shane was like, <sighs> Ranson was like, "I don't want to do anything with like clowns or so. it was something like that." He is generally like uh, makes him upset. Um, that makes sense, yeah. And Shane's like, I don't want to do anything with bugs, but it, but I mean, it scares me. It's fine. It just scares me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you don't have to not, but like... <laughs> but, you I mean, that's kind of one of those things where it's like, that scares me, but it doesn't make me, like, unhappy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not like with okay, me... Well, with, that's what? like our last few episodes with, like, the whole catacombs thing. I don't like catacombs. They, they actually kind of freak me out a little bit, but, you know, we'll, we'll push through that because it... It is kind of fun being a little creeped out yeah. while we're doing it. Just a little, though. I mean, if it was something like the other things that we've discussed, I'd probably be like, ah, I'm going to leave. I'm not, I don't want to deal with that. Like, I love a good like a good slasher, like uh, a scream. Um, like, it scares mm. the shit out of me, but I like it. But I also, but in that turn, there's, there's stuff that deals with, like, necrophilia that really, really makes me un- uncomfortable. Like, um, I do not like that at all. <laughs> Yeah, no, that wouldn't be a good thing. Um, so like, obviously, that's never gonna show up. Like, I'm never gonna have that. Um, like, I was, I was about to make a joke, and I, and I made me sick, so I didn't make a joke. Uh, like, that's how, that's how much it bothers me. So, like, stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I think Christiana's was like specifically like kid torture or something. <laughs> I was like, all right, I won't. I mean, you're, you're fucking tying my arms on a knot, but I'll do it. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. sure that was real hard. Yeah, no. <laughs> and like, I don't even like. I don't even want any kid death. I know we've had like we had off screen kids have died. Um I try to even stay away from that 
because it, it's it's un, it's gross. I don't know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just it's sad. Not, it is. It really is. It's a, it's an uncomfortable situation that's doesn't need to be brought up if we don't have to. I mean, sometimes it's necessary, it, but at least you're doing it off screen in a better just, way than it could be. I just wanted it to feel way. realistic without it being too realistic. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, send your questions in. Uh, and we will uh, we'll answer them either in another podcast or I'll just if we don't ever do that I'll just answer them there. I don't know how how would we end that? Is that ending it? I don't. I've uh, never. Well, you know you still gotta thank the people and such. Don't forget to thank the people and such. Oh, I don't. I, mean, I guess yeah. You gotta thank them and then you know you gotta say like hey thanks for Christiana for making the intro and outro mm. music you know. And then you gotta also say like, "Hey, check out our Discord. Uh, you can find it if you go and check out our Twitter, which is at Graham Encounters. You know, and then we can you can either click the link there or just PM us, and we'll give you a the actual link to it. Come say hi and all that. And uh, well, I mean, what else do you gotta thank people for? I don't know if you're gonna be using any music or not. Or... I mean, I'll still thank Tim over at Tabletop Audio. Tim. He's got some great yeah. content over there. Um, Don't forget to thank him. Yeah, um, the the show the show just became um, a Patreon of his uh, little, little little thing, his little uh, endeavor. Awesome. And yeah. uh, so it's gonna help with our music, I think. Um, we're help we're helping him to help us. Oh yeah, I mean I, we're all helping each other. I wish I had more to give him. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't we all? Don't we all? Um, but yeah, I mean honestly, Robert, I'll probably just leave that what you said in there. Um, oh, oh, okay. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I guess uh, I want you to uh, go into your house and look at your books, and I want you to just like start reading them, and then I want you to just to feel like the most immense, uh, like happy feeling you've ever felt in like your arm, and it just kind of like slowly reaches up like to your shoulder blade, and as you look over in horror, you see that one of your books is eating you. Um, but you smile as it slowly just envelops your whole body and you risk, you like the book closes and the pages kind of flutter and on it, it just written in your blood. It says, stay spooked out there. What was the book titled, uh, cannibalism for you and me? I mean, now it is. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, the idea uh, of you getting eaten and it feels great is fucked up. That is? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I would, uh, I'd feel like that would be a good thing. I mean, yeah. 